0: This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness. Personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you.
1: And it's just like, he's just sitting there like, but they're they're pixelated where his knob is. (laughs)
0: The Game Time Podcast. A little bit of a mixed one for you. With all the midweek games, we're just going to go all hell. Let all hell break loose, Ryan. Going to go for the FA Cup. A couple of Premier League previews. Might even talk about some other stuff. Why not? How are you doing?
1: Yeah, not too bad, mate. I mean, it's free and easy, isn't it? It's the Thursday night, so we can do whatever we like.
0: Absolutely bloody lovely. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you very much. Very well. Honestly, looking forward to a a very interesting weekend of mixed Premier League FA Cup action we might even talk about the championship as well after the break but let's uh, let's kick it off with the FA Cup. Ooh, is the magic of the FA Cup going to play some part in helping Brighton beat Manchester City?
1: Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I, I can't I can't honestly see any scenario where Brighton come out of this with a win. I mean I was thinking potentially take them to penalties but then obviously City have played in a final recently where they've won on penalties at Wembley. So you, you can't even say they're inexperienced at that because they had did that two months ago against Chelsea. Um, I can't see anything apart from a, a Man City win, to be honest. But then again, like I say, with Brighton, um, the team out of the four who were left were probably the ones that everyone wanted to get in the draw. I think you'd be, I'd be right in saying that, like if you were a, a fan of the teams that were left. So, I mean, they've done well to get this far, especially, like I say, a tricky game against Millwall in the uh, quarterfinals, but yeah, I can't see it unfortunately. Which is a shame because I do like Chris Hewitt, and Obviously, he's like an experts player and and stuff. And but yeah, I just can't see it. Um, how do you see it going? Do you see like a win to nil, or do you reckon at least Brighton will bag?
0: I I, w- I would imagine a win to nil, to be honest. City have scored twenty goals in their last five games, and they've kept two clean sheets against Cardiff and Fulham, and that and one of those was without Sergio Aguero who might not play at the weekend either. So I'll be honest, even though it's a cup game, I think, I think Pep has come out and said, I'm going to take it seriously, or oh, I am taking it seriously because it's the semi-final. So, I, you know what? I'm, I might be a bit of a battering, to be honest, because we were saying before, Brighton aren't in the greatest form at the moment. Picked up a good couple of wins against Palace and Huddersfield a few week back, but a loss to Southampton and then another loss to Chelsea, a heavy one at that in midweek, it's not looking good for Brighton. I don't think, well, I'm not sure about you, but I don't think they're going to be in high spirits heading into that cup game. Well,
1: I think, I think they might be in high spirits just purely because it's at Wembley. And and obviously they haven't, they haven't been to a, a, a semi-final or a competitive game at Wembley in the cup since the mid eighties. So at least they're going to be sort of up for it in that sense. But like I say, I, I can't see them getting a positive result. I think even the most, um, sort of an optimistic Brighton fan could probably hope for a draw and then maybe, like, say you get the wrong penalties. But, um, yeah, like I say, I mean, I'm happy that they're there. I I like to see the sort of the teams maybe, and we'll get on to the Wolves Watford game in a minute. I like to see teams rewarded for sort of, like, taking the cup seriously by getting to the semis and maybe the final. But, like I say, everything just points to this being a a win for City. I mean, I can't remember a a semi-final as sort of like this blatantly one-sided um, since at least last year when Chelsea played Southampton. Hampton. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, like you say, there always seems to be this one one game or one semi-final or one quarterfinal or whatever where the team is the heavy underdog. And not, so, obviously, with City last round with Swansea, then they went 2-0 down and you thought, oh, maybe they could get beat here. But even then, you, you always had a feeling that City were going to come back. Mm. And obviously, they did eventually. Um, so, yeah, like I say, it'll be a it'll be good day out for them and, and maybe they can nick a goal or maybe they can keep it very, very tight. But it's going to be very important for them.
0: Stats on the page suggest it might be very, very difficult for them. Uh, in their meeting earlier this season, Manchester City won 2-0 thanks to Raheem Sterling and Sergio Aguero. Uh, do you want to hazard a guess at the possession stat for Manchester City?
1: Ooh, um, I reckon it was in about 64. No, that's well, that's, that's too late. Solo. <laughs> 70, 72. seventy-two. Eighty-one percent. So even seventy-two was too conservative. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I know City have a habit of keeping the ball and stuff, and but that's that's a joke, really.
0: <laughs> and and they looked quite wasteful as well. 28 shots in that game, but only eight on target, and they won 2-0. Um to Brighton's one on target and four shots. So, if Brighton are going to come out with a win in that one, it is literally going to be a what carbon copy of Wigan beating Manchester City in the FA Cup final, getting one chance in the 90th minute from a corner, and then just that will be the only way they win it.
1: Yeah, yeah. like I say, we've seen it happen before. Um, but yeah, like I say, even that, I mean, from a personal point of view, I would like Brighton to take them the distance, so they're a little bit out of it for the Champions League next week. But like I say, it's... Um... It's one of those games where they go, the fans will go, they'll enjoy it and then probably just um, come back with, as long as they don't get a demoralising defeat against them, um, then they can obviously get the probably, I reckon they need about two more wins, I reckon, from uh, to make sure they're sort of mathematically safe um, in the table. Because like you said earlier, they don't have the best form going into the last few games. I mean, they're about five points ahead of the drop zone but they have a game in hand so yeah I, I think they're about one on one win and a draw maybe away from bow from securing premiership survival so that should be their aim I think but yeah like I said they'll they'll enjoy it I'm sure.
0: In a way the the terrible decisions at Cardiff City where um Chelsea managed to steal a victory probably Sheesh. has saved the likes of Southampton and, and Bryan because Cardiff would have won that it would have been a lot tighter. I mean, it still is tight. It's only five points, as you said, but I think that's done them a lot of favors that they can actually concentrate on the cup and not and not think, oh my god, if we lose, if we lose again, and Cardiff win, we're straight in the relegation zone.
1: Exactly, and like I say, you you probably got to take Cardiff's goal difference into account as well because it's minus thirty three. Yeah. I mean, Burn is minus twenty two, so that's obviously. Still not great, but then you've got Sampton and Brighton, who are minus fourteen or fifteen. So you think like they? It's basically another point at this stage of the season where it's mm. like it's so bad that it's, um, it's it counts extra towards them. So yeah, like I said, I think another win for both of those sides. I think that that'll get them out of it really. But um, yeah, like I said, it, it should be a good, should be a good game anyway. I'm, I'm looking forward more though to the Wolves Watford game. What do you think we can expect from that?
0: Oh, I tell you what, I've watched Manchester United lose twice pretty much in the last two weeks to Wolves. So I think it's going to be a good game, especially the way Watford are playing this season. Both teams have been so solid. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this one because, I don't know, looking at Wolves, and again, I'm taking this from the Manchester United point of view, they played so well in the FA Cup game against Manchester United and dominated. It wasn't quite the same in the victory in the Premier League. They still came out with the win, don't get me wrong. Played well, but they were under the cosh for a lot of it, and United sort of wasted a lot of chances. So it'll be interesting to see how they go at Watford because it sounds really weird to say, but you've got one semi final which is like very much in favor of one team. I don't know who the favorite is for Wolves versus Watford. I don't know about you.
1: I can't call it, honestly. Like, uh, it's one of those games where you sort of have it could be win, or draw as soon as they kick off. I mean, like I say, they're separated by one point and one goal difference in the table. I mean, first of all, that's obviously a testament to how well they're doing this year, both teams. Um, and I think this is one of the games where it's like, it's a, it's a good reward for both of them, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, really good seasons. They're, they're probably, with um, the exception of maybe Leicester in the last couple of weeks, they've probably been the best side outside, the or best two sides outside the top six. Um, and obviously that's reflected in the, in the sort of the league ta- table at the minute when they're, because they're obviously seventh and eight. Um, so yeah, I think it's really good for them in terms of like they've actually just got a reward, which is a day out at Wembley and a and a potential shot at, at probably Man City. I think both teams can cause City problems in the final, assuming obviously City get them, we talked about earlier. Um because yeah, it like I say, I mean, Wolves already got they've got a they've got a point against City earlier in the year at Molyneux. Um Watford, they can cause anyone trouble. And the best thing about both sides is, like you said earlier, both sides know when things aren't going their way or when they know they want to have to get involved in a bit of a battle, whether it be sort of like physical or sort of like defending, both teams can do it. Like in, they play good football as well, don't get me wrong, but like the Watford game that Spurs lost earlier to them in September, it was very much like Troy Deeney bullied um, the defence a lot. And that's a positive, obviously, because then they can play the nice football, like when they... Dele Feu got the hat trick against Cardiff. So that springs to mind. That was really good football. People were sort of comparing them to like a mini like Barcelona type, type sort of passing team. And then Wolves obviously have got very big plaudits from a lot of people from the way they play this year, and like they've got some good results. So yeah, both teams can grit it out, and both teams can also play, which is it leads itself to a really like interesting game.
0: I, I think it's going to be one of the semi-finals of of recent years, like one of the best. I, Again, like you, can't call it. Even their form going into the game, Watford have won three of their last five, um, whereas Wolves have won also three of their last fives, but Watford picking up two losses whilst their Wolves pick up a draw in that against Chelsea. So pretty much almost identical in the form table as well. The interesting thing that that I wanted to talk about as well was Wolves have done very, very well against the so-called Big Six this season. Watford not so much. They lost to Liverpool 5-0 recently, lost to Man City 3-1, lost to Manchester United. Wolves tend to struggle it seems against other teams in and around them or lower down the table. Do you think Nuno's going to have some sort of game plan for this one or do you think he's going to just set it out as it's a cup final but it's a cup semi-final even I haven't got to the final yet. Uh, just just go for it.
1: Incredibly arrogant if he's saying that in the dressing room. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, it, like I say, the the way that they both set up, they, it does lend itself to be an open game. I mean, I can't see either team sitting back and defending. I think if it was Wolves-Brighton or Watford-Brighton, then maybe you'd see that sort of thing with, um, like I say, Wolves being maybe a bit concerned about being hit on the break because um, obviously, like I say, they've they've won against United. They've got a point off of um, City at Molyneux. They've beaten Chelsea at Molyneux. They ran us close, but also they've lost to Palace and things like that so like, like I say it does come with a bit of a warning like you said that they can be vulnerable to a counter attack I think it's just one of those games where they've just got to go have got to go for it if they, can't, if they can't if they sit back and they can't really play on the counter like they do against the top six teams because Watford will be matching them up pretty much everywhere across the pitch so it'll be a very even game I think it's just it might even come down to like say a penalty or something like that I
0: think they're going to match each other up very very closely um, that- sorry right now go on I was just going to say, the, the earlier meeting between the two, albeit it was a 2-0 win for Watford, but Watford scored two goals in a minute and then that was pretty much all that happened in the game?
1: I do, yeah. I remember that earlier in the year, yeah, because it was, like I say, the two goals really knocked the stuffing out of walls then and then they couldn't really get back into the game and it was very, like, like you said, it finished 2-0. I do remember that, yeah. So that could, like I say, it could happen like that. You could just get a blitz or like a couple of chances and all of a sudden it's, um, it's settled there. But yeah, it should be, it should be very interesting. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that one.
0: I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for it. Let's see. Let's see what the scores on the doors are because I think uh, I asked Tim this last time. What, what are you gonna go for? Watford versus Wolves first. That's the 4 p.m. kickoff.
1: I think I'm gonna go for that. I'm gonna go for a narrow Wolves win, and I reckon it's gonna be 2-1. I reckon Watford will score, but I think Wolves have just got enough, just with Matinho and Neves, and obviously now um, Jimenez signing permanently. That might give him a little bit of a. I don't know, like a boost, or it might just be even more up for it. You have got Jota, him, him, and Jimenez play really well together. I think they'll just nick it. What about you?
0: I, I'm going to go for penalties. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think it's going to be a score draw, probably one-one, and I think it's going to go the distance.
1: I think, yeah. I think the when I said two-one, I reckon it will be two-one after extra time. I reckon. Yeah. If I was, uh, if I was sort of like going to be having to put a score on it and a, and a sort of a, a method of win, yeah. I think, I think that would be. After extra time, walls. What about the Brighton game?
0: Oh, i You know what? I'm going to go. City are absolutely on fire at the moment, so I'm going to go five nil.
1: Oh, really? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's less than that. um, I reckon it's going to be a relatively. Uh, probably the league game, like the league game. I reckon City will dominate possession. Maybe get a two nil win. Maybe three nil. Um, Brighton. They'll have to play a blinder to to score. I think, or like I said, get a penalty or, or have something equally as fortuitous. Um, I think two nil city. I think that's about fair.
0: I think I don't know why. And, and this is this is no sort of like psychic prediction. If Brighton proper go at it in like the first ten minutes, and they either nick a goal or someone from City loses their head and gets sent off early doors, Brighton will be proper up for it. But I reckon the longer it it stays 0 nil and City are just controlling the ball, Brighton are just going to be going. Nah, you're all right, boys. <laughs>
1: Yeah, just leave, we'll leave you to it. You
0: you do you, you do you. Um, before we move on from that, mention the Raul Jimenez thing. £30 million is very, very good business for a player who is just enjoying an amazing first season in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think they did they did well to put that little agreement in to say, like, we can buy him permanently because otherwise... I think pretty much any team in and around the top six will be sniffing after him, if not, because obviously, like I said, the way he's adapted, the way he plays with Jota is really, really positive. I mean, um, I was speaking to my granddad a Wolves fan and he said that they're probably the best strike partnership outside the top six or on current form, maybe even as a two, the best front two mm. in the in country, or at least in the premiership because obviously not many teams play with, like, a front two anymore. It's quite rare. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I think they've done very well to get this um, sort of, like, deal done and to get it sorted. But, yeah, he, he can obviously then really get involved next year. He knows where he's going to be, and he can he can sort of really, like, get out of, um, get out of the defences again, like he's done this year, because, yeah, he's had a fantastic first season.
0: It's really interesting as well, because I remember him when he was at Atletico, um, and he didn't really play that much or he wasn't that effective and I'm just having a look at his stats now 21 games for Atletico Madrid in 2014-15 one goal two assists then he made his way to Benfica and at no point did he ever hit double digits in the league in the three years that he played in in Portugal five goals seven goals six goals and then all of a sudden moves to the Premier League and 12 goals seven assists and 32 appearances it's, it's odd how he's just stepped up massively
1: yeah you do you do see it sometimes like they often like it is a bit of a sort of like a, a cliche at this point but you do see people saying like oh, will they adapt to England or whatever will they suit playing in England and all that but I think genuinely he does in the yeah. way he plays and like I say helping having someone like um Jota up there who will just run himself into the ground week in week out and then obviously you've got the supply line like Neves and Matinho as you found out like I said early, earlier in the week um yeah, it's it is it's a really interesting team, and it's really hard to think of Wolves as a promoted side. Mm. I think, like we'll talk about Fulham later, obviously, but um, it is really difficult to think like that. This is their maiden um, season the fir- in the first, well, the I say the first division. Then, like it was fucking nineteen seventy-five. It was sort of like it is their first season in the Premiership in this sort of like incarnation. So you can't really sort of take away I know they've spent a lot of money and everything like that but you have to sort of like bring in those sort of players to refresh the squad maybe Um, and I think they've kept the majority of the backbone of the team that got them up like Cody um, Neves uh, obviously Jota as well people like that and um, so yeah it's it's very interesting to think that they're going into next season and they can really push for like say European places and they might even get one this this year
0: God, yeah don't don't count them out just yet still time to go right make sure you don't go out and have a nice time because we'll be back straight after this short ad break
1: be miserable
0: got it! He he all over! if you're an mma fan be sure to check out the new switch kick podcast We preview upcoming events, discuss the big UFC and Bellator news, and John from Philadelphia drops in to give us a few betting tips. To listen, search for Switchkick MMA on SoundCloud or Switchkick in the Apple Store. Right, welcome back from the break. Hope you weren't too unhappy. (laughs) I know we were.
1: Yeah, terrible. Help.
0: (laughs) It's the the fact that when people don't realise that when it goes on a break, we sit here in silence, just waiting.
1: 64 seconds and then just get on again.
0: <laughs> so professional. Uh, right, let's go into the Premier League. A few tasty games. A Friday game. I do quite enjoy these Friday games. I don't know why. They're, they're just a nice little change every now and again. Southampton versus Liverpool. Harson Hootel said they're not afraid of Liverpool. I imagine him just standing at the uh, entrance to St. Mary's with like, his shirt off as the Liverpool players like, walk through the door because he's a tall man. They fucking
1: should be afraid of them. I've shouldn't play this
0: season.
1: <laughs> don't, don't say that, Ralph. You're going to get murdered. <laughs> you can't just say we're not afraid of them. They're a very good team. They're second only by one point for a reason. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't see this going either to be honest. I, I think in what should be called the Virgil Van Dyke derby, um, I think, yeah, I think it will only go one way. I think it will just be. Um, so, uh, Liverpool win. I can say Samson win. Then, Christ, <laughs> I think it will only be a Liverpool win. Um, I can't really see. like I say Samson They have caused they caused problems for Spurs. They beat um Arsenal in the year. They beat Arsenal earlier in the year. But I think Liverpool are just that next step on. And Liverpool really need to be winning these games to prove that they still want to be considered to be in the running for the league title. And obviously, like I say the win last week um against Spurs. That was obviously from most Liverpool the fans very lucky. So I think if they play like that again, then they could drop points here. But I think they'll just have too much quality for them. What about you?
0: Yeah, very much more of the same to be honest. Um, Southampton haven't scored against Liverpool in their last five games, uh, and Liverpool have scored eight, if my maths is good enough. Yeah, scored eight in the last five games against Southampton. So probably not looking good if you're if you're a Southampton fan. But you're playing well at the moment. You never know, it could cause an upset. Liverpool might be a little bit nervous. You don't know. It was a interesting win over Tottenham last weekend. Yes, yeah. that's a good word for it. <laughs> so yeah, you don't know, but you you call it the Virgil van Dyke Derby. There's like eight more players that play for Liverpool. <laughs> cool.
1: At about at least five.
0: <laughs> it's like Adam Lalana, Virgil van Dyke, Sadio Mane Derby.
1: Uh, we've got a Danny Ings derby, though.
0: Oh, very nice segue. We've
1: also got another Danny Ings derby on Saturday with Bournemouth Burnley. How do you see that one going?
0: Oh, You you might need to have to host it from now on with segues like that. That was bloody lovely. Um, I'm going to go with a Bournemouth win to nil. I'm going to go 1-0 Bournemouth.
1: Okay, interesting. Um, I reckon Burnley might get something from this purely because of the fact that They are actually playing for something they still need, like we talked about briefly earlier. They probably still need one more win, maybe, maybe two, just to be 100% sure that they're going to be safe. So, I reckon I could see Burnley maybe getting a draw here, like a score draw. I reckon maybe one all, just like sort of like a fairly even game. I feel like Bournemouth are the better team on paper, but um, like we we sort of like mentioned before, like the Burnley do need more of the points. Bournemouth are sort of maybe down tools now, or at least they're not playing as hard as they were earlier in the year because of being sort of like safe and and not being troubled by Europe Europe or relegation and obviously lost to Leicester last weekend whereas Burnley beat Wolves so they'll be very
0: um, confident about that. So yeah I reckon a draw for that one I think that's about fair. Stats prove for both of us that we're probably wrong. I said a a score to nil. Um, Bournemouth have never beaten Burnley and kept a clean sheet and Bournemouth and Burnley have never drawn in the five meetings It's
1: (laughs) always a first (laughs) don't worry about that.
0: <laughs> as a Tottenham fan you will know after this season going so long without a draw
1: exactly yeah so yeah everyone else has been picking up the slap for us this year so that, that could be <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um right let's move on to Leicester versus Huddersfield Huddersfield of course already down and Leicester resurgent under Brendan Rodgers how do you see this one going
1: um, this is by the way this is the Ben Hamer derby
0: Ooh, very nice uh,
1: so we're going to do one of them for all of them <laughs> Um, Yeah, again I can only see a Leicester win really here but Huddersfield has struggled to score at home all year and last year as well really towards the end of the last season so um, yeah, I think Leicester will carry on like I said they'll they'll build momentum, they look good for next year actually I think they'll be another team that hopefully I mean they're not out of the European race yet but um, obviously they're they're sort of building towards next year Brendan Rodgers will have a summer with recruiting players and the future does look quite bright for them you've got Yuri Tielemans who's Mm a lot of good work since he's come in from Monaco. Um, and then, obviously, you've got players they've got there already who are sort of coming back to form, like you said. So, yeah, I can only see a Leicester win, really, here. What about you?
0: Yeah, same again. Huddersfield might just play with a bit of freedom now that it doesn't really matter um, their fate. Well, they know their fate, so it doesn't really matter. So, they might play with a bit of freedom, maybe try and get themselves in the shop window a little bit. But, yeah, I, I can't see anything but a Leicester win in this one uh, move it on to Newcastle versus Crystal Palace I've been racking my brain trying to think of a derby for this one
1: Loic Remy <laughs>
0: oh my god what a throwback to that one <laughs> the Loic Remy derby um, could be an interesting one Newcastle not safe but probably have done enough um, especially with their keeping their goal difference down as, as you said earlier it's worth a lot this point in the season how do you see this one go
1: I think Newcastle will probably get a result here, like I say, purely because they've got more to play for. I mean, Palace, I watched bits of the Spurs game, obviously being like the first game back at the new ground um, the other day. It wasn't on telly, but I sort of managed to catch the the, the bulk of the highlights. Um, Palace looked okay only when they were 2-0 down. It was a very weird tactic that they played. They sort of like were happy to keep it 0-0, went 1-0 down, didn't really have any chances, went 2-0 down, then all of a sudden had their best chance in the whole game. So... Yeah, I think they're, again they're a team that they maybe they know that they're there or thereabouts. Palace, Newcastle are nearly there, so I think Newcastle probably will um, get a result there. This is the classic game where, like we said earlier, like um, it's sort of like one team's down tools, the other team's still got something to play for, and, and maybe form goes out the window a little bit. So I reckon I could see I could see Newcastle getting a result there, and that will pretty much do them for the rest of the year. Then, which obviously shows how well Benitez has done this year. So yeah, I, th- I think that's about about fair, I reckon.
0: I'm I'm going to go with a nil 0 draw. Don't know why. Sol is no. in very good form for Newcastle, but I just see it just petering out to nothing.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, like I said earlier, though, Palace were happy to keep it nil-nil and happy mm. to frustrate us obviously as long as it went on from um, in the Tottenham game last night. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be against um, sort of saying that. I- I just think Newcastle might have a little bit more to play for. But then again, like I say, if Palace defend well, then that could be enough then to get them um, the point that they probably will deserve.
0: It'd be an interesting one for sure. Let's move it on to the Theo Walcott slash Mikel Arteta derby.
1: I was going to go for Arteta, actually. I'm glad you did.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Solid work. High five. Uh, be an interesting, you said this was going to be an interesting one when we were talking off air because Everton looked like they've picked up a little bit of form heading into the end of the season. Arsenal still going very strong up to third now. Might be a bit of a tasty one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was speaking to an Arsenal friend the other day and he was saying that, I think a bit prematurely, he said that top four was now in the bag. Oh, um, God. So, yeah, and I did say that was going to come back and bite you on the arse. um yeah, they have got like the easier run of fixtures in the for the rest of the top six, but they have got three very tough looking away games. So they've got Everton away, Wolves away, Leicester away. Mm. And all three of those can cause them issues. Like I say, Arsenal seem to have raised their game this this year against the top six teams. Obviously beat um Chelsea at home, beat Man United, beat uh, uh, Tottenham and then um sort of like did did okay but not great against um City. And then drew to Liverpool, I believe. So, yeah, it's an interesting one that I think Arsenal will probably at least get a point, but Everton are not to be. They're a different, they seem like a little bit of a different team from a couple of weeks ago. And as we saw from the Liverpool game when they drew 0 0 um, in the Merseyside Derby, they're happy to sort of sit there and play on the counter and then have a couple of good chances themselves. So, and they have beaten West Ham away and then beaten Chelsea to nil at home. So,
0: yeah, I wouldn't count them out, but I think Arsenal might be a little bit too strong with them because of current form. What about you? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to go with Arsenal. Uh, some interesting stats from premierleague.com. Arsenal scored more Premier League goals against Everton than any other side in the competition's history. 107. Nice. A lot of goals. I always
1: seem to remember them permanently just spanking Everton every year. Like, at least one game, they'll play them and they'll just win, like, 5-0. <laughs> so, that's probably yeah.
0: why. You've got a good memory. 2-0 uh, earlier this season, but then the two previous results were 5-1 Arsenal, 5-2 Arsenal.
1: Yeah, it just seems to be like a permanent thing. They just constantly just batter them. <laughs> <laughs> high, like I say, the highest goal scored against them, really.
0: Absolutely mental. Right, we'll move on to the final Premier League game of the weekend. It's on a Monday. Is that a weekend? No. 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 Nah. It, it's an extended weekend for the football world. It's Chelsea versus West Ham. Frank Lampard, Derby? Cole. Yeah,
1: could have had a few there. Um,
0: I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of the most obscure ones, to be honest.
1: Going of, more obscure, the better. Um, Rob Green? Oh, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> but Even better when they're a current player, like the Ben Hamer one. That makes it even more sweet. <laughs>
0: it, it, it really does. Um, you know what? And this is going to be an interesting one. Chelsea, let's be honest, haven't really been in good form recently. Yes, they've eked out a win against Cardiff, but we won't really talk about that one. West Ham, I think, could be one of the teams that causes them real trouble like Wolves did.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that is true. Um, I think West Ham, like I said, they've seemed to be very much um, held in, holding their own against um, sort of teams they drew 0-0 earlier in the year at West Ham's ground so they can hold their own with Chelsea they'll know that already I do think though that Chelsea when they want to and especially when they play at home they do seem to be able to turn it on a bit obviously I know they beat Brighton 3-0 earlier in the week or uh, well, yesterday mm. and that was sort of like fairly comfortable but obviously we talked about Brighton's maybe deficiencies before Um I can see again me being a bit of a pessimist Obviously, the the top 4 is sort of hotting up now. I can only see a Chelsea winning this but it would be nice if West Ham could sort of maybe turn up and and sort of frustrate them take a point off of them maybe that'd be that would be positive for for my point of view. Um but yeah, I do think that West Ham when they want to they can turn it on but they do have to be in the right mood and Chelsea again very similar actually they they're quite patchy quite a patchy side when they want to be. Uh,
0: West Ham you mentioned a Team teams downing tools. I feel like West Ham down tools, and and we're on a beach a long time ago. <laughs> I was speaking to Alan the other day, and he was like, "They're already on a beach."
1: And... So they'll, they'll pick them, they'll pick them fucking tools up when they play us at the end of the month. I bet that <laughs> every year they always get involved with a little bit of um, extra effort against Tottenham. No matter, like their season could be going terribly, but they still they'll still turn it on for against Spurs. So don't worry about that. In about three weeks' time. I look forward to speaking to you then.
0: We'll see if we can get Alan on the back on the pod for it as well. Um, right before we finish off on the Premier League, Huddersfield we mentioned were relegated. Fulham also relegated with their four-one loss in midweek to Watford. So we thought, obviously, with those two going down, we'd uh, jump across to the Championship, see how things are going over there, and see who could potentially replace them next season. And I know it's like super early, and I, we both understand that, but hey, we enjoy mixing things up. And both of us wanted to talk about Norwich for a change.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do I do sit and watch the Football League highlights every week. Um, and I, I sort of like Norwich at the minute, they've got a five-point lead. They've got a seven-point gap between them and third place. So you think they're in the sort of the driving position um, going forward with the um, automatic promotion. But the thing I can never, like, I can't really get out of my head is the fact that and obviously they probably will, they might strengthen if they go up and they'll probably buy players. I just can't see any of the players from this year doing well next year. I mean, maybe that's been ridiculously long-sighted about it and obviously they should enjoy this season, whatever it brings. But like, I don't know, there's just something about the team. Maybe it's because Norwich traditionally haven't done massive amounts when they've been in the top flight over the last few years. Maybe that's it's a bit of recency bias, but... I do think that no matter what happens, if Norwich come up, they won't be competing next year. I, I just there's something about him. Like say, you look at like Timmy Pookie, who is a decent striker, but is he built for the Premier League? Like, is he? He's going to spend a lot of time on his own up front, and he's not the tallest, and he is a good finisher. But will he get the chances? I don't think so because like I say that step up. I think as Fulham have proved this year with all the money they spent, the step up is getting bigger and bigger. I think.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think the one thing Norwich might have on their side is I feel like they actually have a style of play and a manager who sticks to that style of play. Whereas Fulham came up with a manager, sacked him pretty pretty sharpish when things weren't going their way, replaced him with Claudio Ranieri, who never really didn't seem like he ever really had a plan for it. Then they got rid of him and then they just went to Scott Parker, just finish off the season for us.
1: Yeah, that's true. I suppose. Yeah, like I say, I do, I do like the way Knights play. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not sort of having a go at them. I just feel like they will find it tough next year if they were to come up. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like I they have got this style of play, and Farker is a good manager. But it's just something I don't know. I can't shake this opinion that I have that I think they just won't be able to cut it next year. But I'd like them to, because obviously, every team you want to come up, you want them to be competing. That's, but obviously not everyone is going to do a Wolves and finish in the top half and do whatever. But at least compete and give give the other teams, who are like the established teams in the Premiership, give them a good scare. That's what I want to see. So hopefully they can. Hopefully they can prove me wrong. Because, like I say, I do like watching them play. When they controlled the game, I thought very well. It was a bit gritty against Middlesbrough in the week. Um, but then, yeah, another team that sort of looks... or Two teams that look likely... Uh, Leeds and Sheffield United so is there any preference there Danny from your point of view
0: you're asking a Manchester United fan whether I have a preference between Leeds or Sheffield United going up
1: <laughs> loaded question that one <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know I, I think I'm of an age that Leeds rivalry is only there because I know of it if that makes any sense
1: it's one of those it's almost in like a black and white rivalry like yeah. you don't really don't really know about it, or Leeds were never really the sort of the force that they used to be, even in the early 2000s, they had a couple of seasons in the sun, but then they sort of retreated to the lower league, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see, like I say, what happens with them, with Bielsa, if they do come up, I personally, I would prefer to see Sheffield United come up automatically, and then Leeds go up through the playoffs, if it was going to work out like that. Um, because I do I do like both the teams I like Sheffield Knight the way they play I like Chris Wilder he's a really good manager um, Leeds as well like I said they're an interesting team and they're one I think that could cause problems with people next year because of the ferocious way they play and how they close the ball down it could cause issues for teams um, a bit like when Bournemouth first came up and they were sort of like still playing the way they did in the championship so yeah it'd be very interesting to see um, see if any of them comes up are there any other teams that you fancy sort of in the playoff places?
0: One thing that I was going to say before before I answer that question is, also, I do kind of want to see leads go up just because I want to see Marco Bielsa absolutely rattle Premier League journalists in post-match press conferences through the use of an interpreter.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's just standing there waiting for three minutes after every question.
0: <laughs> it's the fact that the interpreter has, like, he's basically an actor. He uses the same sass that, that Bielsa does. Like, you can tell Bielsa's angry. Like, I think it was a couple of weeks ago where Bielsa was like, I'm asking you though, and and the interpreter was like, "No, he's asking you. Answer him." And I was just like, "This is amazing."
1: <laughs> yeah, that would I would I do want a bit more bitchy interviews because, like I say, if you if you if you lose one of um, Neil Warnock or Sean Dyche, they're usually good for a bit of a comedy in, interview. Mm. So it would be nice to see um, him replace them.
0: Yeah, no, I think it would be quite interesting. Um, We'd like to see Billy Sharp have a go in the Premier League though, because. Was he the record goal scorer in, in English football uh, since the turn of the century? Not Millennium, millennium.
1: Not see, like I say, he's a Sheffield United fan as well. He's played really well this year. So, yeah, I, I do feel like Leeds and Sheffield United are, are two very good teams. Norwich have, have been very good as well this year. It shouldn't be taken away from them. But yeah, Leeds and Sheffield United, it will be hard to split those two this season. It'll be very interesting to see how that pans out over the next seven games
0: or so. Definitely. One thing that, that I was going to say, Bristol City look good, good form. West Brom, you know what, for for all the flack they got for sacking Darren Moore, it's clearly worked. They're in a very good run of form, three wins in their last five. Yeah,
1: it is interesting, really, because as well, um, just from sort of like watching Football League and stuff, the fans and stuff on there and people on social media and stuff, even though they've been winning, apparently, well, the fans, according to according so anyway, they say that they've not been playing that well either, so they're still winning games. They don't really know, people don't really know how they're winning. It's a bit of a weird one. I think West Brom and this year's Fulham, in terms of last year, like you said, they were a bit chaotic of a team. They couldn't defend, even in the championship last year, and obviously even worse so this year. Um, And then they sort of got to the playoffs and then did well in the playoffs and then went up. I feel like West Brom will be the same next year because obviously, like I say, they don't have a permanent manager at the minute. Um, And there's rumours that Sam Allardyce might go in there as well and take over. Oh God! I mean, that would be interesting. Um, But yeah, I I would like to see someone a bit random get into the playoffs and do well. Like I say, you said Bristol City, obviously they're fifth at the minute. They've had two cracking wins this week. Um, Even someone like Preston. I mean, they're only three points off the playoffs, and they've been playing really well this year. They've had a couple of. They lost to Reading earlier in the uh, last week, and it was really annoying. Because if they, I said earlier to you, if they would have won that game, they'd have been joint sixth. And then, like, you never know what happens. Even, like, Sheffield Wednesday, for example, like I said, they've not lost since Steve Bruce came in. And they're only, they're only four points off the playoffs. I mean, the goal difference is terrible, minus three. But I wouldn't rule them out, and they're 11th. So, it looks very interesting going into the last few weeks. That's
0: what I love, I love about the playoffs. Just anyone, even if you give yourself half a chance to sneak in there on, like, the final weekend of the season... You give yourself all the chance in the playoffs because then all of a sudden it goes into straight knockout competition. Yes, it's two legs, but bloody love the playoffs. I wouldn't mind seeing it in the Premier League just to, to spice up, you know, that sort of 7th to 10th play. Just fuck it, just do change the Europa League or the the last Champions League spot to a playoff just to spice up the end of the season a bit.
1: Cool, that'd be absolute chaos, the last Champions League place, wouldn't it? <laughs> Nightmare, um, yeah, yeah. Like I say, it is interesting. It's interesting when you are not involved in it as a fan, yeah. and that's, that's with the absolute certainty that well, I've never had to see my team play in the playoffs. But um, yeah, it, it is very good. It does it does make the season last longer for certain teams, though, which is good.
0: Yeah, I mean, whilst we're talking about the playoffs, loads of clubs doing really well, as we mentioned, going up the table. Middlesbrough sinking like a really big stone being thrown into the middle of a very deep ocean.
1: Oh, the fans, yeah, the, the fans just are really turning on Pulis as well, especially yeah, that game on midweek against Bristol City. And like I say, it is getting to the point now where that even their home form, which is really quite reliable, has just gone down the toilet now, and it's really not good. But um, like I say, they are a team built on defence, as you would imagine from Tony Pulis. Um So, yeah, like I say, you can't expect miracles. I mean, um, he has got a good squad and he's spent a lot of money, but realistically, the players he he's brought in, they're quite limited players in terms of what they can do. Mm. So, like I said, they were never going to play massively expansive football. They were just maybe sort of hoping to get the odd goal and stuff and play like that. But, yeah, it'd be interesting to see, like I say, if they can haul themselves back in. Because, obviously, like I say, Villa and Bristol City are two of the form teams. West Brom are pretty much sewn up a playoff spot now and then obviously above them it's really all the teams are sorted for playoff places at least from fourth upwards so yeah it'd be interesting to see I don't think they'll be able to pull it out of the bag to be honest
0: Go on put your psychic hat on which three teams are coming up who's going automatic promotion and playoff winners
1: Right I think Norwich will come up automatically and they'll be champions I reckon they'll be champions within about a week and a half Obviously well the, the good thing as well about between now and the end of the month there's about Five rounds of fixtures in the championship. Beautiful. Got some this weekend, then some midweek, then some next weekend, and then Good Friday, Easter Monday, and the following Saturday. So, yeah, it's all. And then obviously the season finishes at the start of May. So I reckon Norwich will be promoted as champions. I think, even though I'd like Sheffield United to go up, I think Leeds will, because I think their fixture list and the way they're playing at the minute are just grinding the results out. So I think, and Sheffield United had that. Disappointing loss to Bristol City, so I think Leeds will go up, and then I reckon mm. the playoffs. This is <laughs> difficult now. This is really <laughs> um, right. Okay, go on. Uh, Villa.
0: Oh, you stole my one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was just
1: looking at them and I thought I've written West Brom off. Sheffield United to be too heartbroken from the play- uh, from the automatic promotion race. Bristol City slash Derby will probably run out of steam and Villa have got Jack Grealish who's probably the best player in the division at the minute so yeah watch Villa now tank and come night
0: (laughs) Preston north end slowly climb the table and and win the playoffs and you're like oh (laughs) (laughs) Oh, a good end to the uh, championship season in store then we'll definitely keep that one right I think that brings us to the end so as always we'll finish it off with some talking points what have you got for us Ryan all
1: of the racism, unfortunately, Danny.
0: God, I bloody hate the racism, mate. It's, it's pretty,
1: it's pretty shit, isn't it?
0: It's 2019, and we've what? So Moyes Keane uh, suffered it against Cagliari. Raheem Sterling, Danny Rose, and Callum Hudson-Odoi all in the game in the international break for England, and then Callum Hudson-Odoi suffered it again before that. I don't understand what's happening.
1: It's because the it's because the sanctions aren't. Um, strong enough, I think. Clubs know and teams know that actually they're probably not going to get as big a slap on the wrist than maybe a financial um, issue. So, like obviously Birmingham has well publicised the fact that they have had a nine point deduction recently. That would never happen, I don't think, in English football for a racist incident. And it's quite sad that that is a thing now that we're having to talk about. I mean, as soon as you start hitting clubs where it hurts in terms of um, limiting attendances or um, docking points. It will just carry on, and like I say, especially in those countries where it's, it's mainly, it's not encouraged, but it's not dealt with in the right ways. I mean, um, I was listening to another podcast um, recently, and, and um, they were talking about like this this idea as well, and they were saying about clubs who, if they if they're trying to tackle it, so for example, Millwall, who seem to most of the time get the community fans award every year because they do a lot of stuff in the local community to try and combat racism. I don't mind that as much because at least they're making an effort. Mm. Like I can't imagine they're doing the same in, in the, at the Cagliari, um board level and like club level, because like I say that
0: it's just not going away, and it's really sad. And I think the the most frustrating thing, and, and it is frustrating and, and very anger-inducing, is the fact that a it's happening, but b the reactions from not only Moyes Keane's own teammates. But the reaction to everyone else around, Leonardo Bonucci said that he was partly to blame. He said 50-50, Keynes should not have done what he did, which is the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard anybody say. It's, it's Yeah, I mean, like I say,
1: like with Sterling the other week, obviously he gave it a bit back to Montenegro fans after he scored. I mean, if they're giving you shit all game, then that's like the minimum that you expect the player to do is to react to it and and like i say it's i don't know like i think the the speed in which that bonucci's come out and sort of tried to defend what he's saying and the fact that his post on instagram was liked by john terry i think that that's sort of, i think that sort of gives you the sort of the idea that we're talking about here it's the idea that um yeah said something really inappropriate and he's now trying to backtrack on it mm.
0: and and apparently his his way of backtracking on it is posting a message on Instagram with a photo of him himself and Moise Keane because, yeah, that that's a, an acceptable way to combat yeah. being racist. You can't, you can't be racist if you've got black mates. Exactly, and, and I think that is exactly what Leonardo Bonucci is trying to do there and it's so frustrating. The Cagliari manager pretty much said the same thing. He was like, no, I didn't really hear anything. Um, and it's just it's just frustrating that it seems to be rearing its head again because we're all human beings at the end of the day. Just get on with letting people do what, what they want. If they want to play football, whether they're black, white, Russian, Chinese, it doesn't matter. Just let them do what they love.
1: Yeah, like I say, it's it's true and it's sad. Like I say, and these managers as well, who the people or players or whoever, they can come out and, and criticise and do whatever. And most of the time they just try to ignore it. And it's like, if you were bringing this up, it would not be happening as bad as it would it is. And it's really annoying. But um, hopefully, like I say, the, the UEFA or whoever or um, whichever governing body, depending on obviously what game it fits into, they just need to stamp it out quicker and they just need to um, really sort of hammer the message home. And the only way, like we said, we do it like that is because um, the only reason why clubs let it happen is because the sanctions aren't strong enough. Yeah. But you start doing points, you start taking away gate receipts, you start doing stuff like that, and it's really going to hurt them rather than fining them 8,000 euros. And it's like, well, really?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, the, the one thing that I would say as well, and, and I agree that sanctions need to be harsher, the one thing I'd say as well, people just need to be educated more because yeah, you could increase the sanctions to like a hundred grand and then closing stadium. But then that just means people will stop being racist inside football stadiums, but won't necessarily understand that racism is wrong and shouldn't be done anywhere. So I think there there just needs to be a way that yes, the sanctions need to be proper harsh for football matches and and any sport, but there also needs to be out of world, uh, out of football world sanctions as well. If specific people, are being found to be racist they should be arrested because it it, that is discrimination that's illegal
1: yeah definitely like i said and it's like that like i said earlier the the idea that if the club is making positive steps to integrate the local community or like if there's a uh, maybe like a a big afro-caribbean um sort of like presence in in that community or a big asian presence like the the way the clubs can help is like you say by being inclusive and, and teaching people rather than doing anything like that and that obviously works quite well i think in my experience of working in a sort of quite racially diverse city it works quite well when people are talking and being open with each other and being um sort of like open with ideas and and being taught that it's not okay to do that sort of thing but otherwise like i say it will just carry on so yeah it does have to be like a two-pronged thing but Mm. i think the first immediate thing will need to have to be done is obviously the bigger sanctions because then that will stop it and then you can work on the education over the next coming years or months or whatever. Cause obviously that takes time to, to bed in sort of thing.
0: Yeah. no, completely agree with you. And and I think this week the premier league have, have announced a new scheme um, with saying no to racism and they've announced uh, their own scheme. It doesn't, I can't remember the name of it exactly. It doesn't come to mind, but um, they, they've changed their, their profile picture um, and to the new schemes uh, logo. And they've been posting a lot about it, which, which is really good to see. Um Right, let's let's finish on on some other points as well. Uh, maybe something a little bit more light-hearted. Uh, Thomas Mounier, I don't know if you saw his tweet this week.
1: Oh yeah, the um, looking for a stream for the uh, trade final.
0: Absolutely, which is bloody great, by the way. did you see it? It was. I saw the equalising goal for Portsmouth, and I just thought, fucking Sunderland cannot win at Wembley. They cannot get over the line. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it like I say, I, I, I hope Thomas found a um, a link because it was bloody brilliant. <laughs> it
0: was fair, fair play to fair play to Portsmouth, uh, repping yeah. the uh, repping Pompey.
1: Yeah, like I say, it was good. Um, and it was very good to see both sides well supported as well. Obviously, was down um in London the day before because of the test event at the New Spurs Stadium, and um. There was a load of Southern fans there already. I think they'd been there since about Friday night or maybe even earlier in the week because obviously they just wanted to enjoy it. Saw so a fair few Portsmouth fans out as well, even though it's only about an hour and a half on the train. So, yeah, it was good, like I say, to for both teams who have fallen on a bit of hard times to have a bit of a day out. And people sort of take the piss a bit and say, oh, well, it was only the Checker Trade trophy and all that. But like I say, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a Wembley final. It's 85,000 people. It was one of the biggest or best attended games in Europe, apart from at the New Camp. Last weekend
0: Bloody hell
1: Uh, Yeah it was It was was brilliant And like I say It was a good game As well to back it up So yeah well done to them Fantastic
0: I did did not realise That it was uh, It was that well attended
1: Yes yeah 5,000 people I think there's Oh uh, 81 I can't remember the exact figures Both teams had An allocation of 40,000 And both teams sold them out Within like two days Three days
0: That is bloody beautiful to see I love it when I don't want to say lower league football but it is gets that sort of is attendance. Yeah it? it's it's really good too.
1: I'm not saying this Checkered trade Trophy the last few years I think I mentioned it before. Um it seems to be a good cup for people to win whose club has fallen on hard times. <laughs> have it recently obviously they've had their own financial problems they had to play in Northampton's ground for a while because they couldn't play at their own ground Luton as well won it I remember before they were dropped out of the Football League altogether a few years ago obviously they're on the way back up now um, Southampton won it as well I remember back in um, when they were in League One back in the days um, so yeah it does seem to be one of these trophies it's almost like a springboard so they try to get you up into the Championship and beyond so yeah very good
0: so we'll see if that's still, uh, still the case next season um one place that wasn't very well attended was uh, at the postman Pat Derby game. Do you see this GIF on trending on Twitter?
1: No, oh yes, I think we did actually. it was yeah, it was quite good actually. Um someone said, Oh, if, if uh Popper does this or something, like that people would talk about it for weeks. He's just <laughs> <the
0: post-life>, man. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely leaves two two children on the floor, broken ankles galore. And then just this lovely little ball roll to take it past this other kid with glasses. It just drifts off into the distance.
1: I mean, that's the sort of thing, like I say, you literally couldn't make up unless you were making a children's
0: program. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: make me laugh actually.
0: It's uh, absolutely wonderful. Have you got anything else to finish off on, Ryan?
1: Um, just the, the last point, I've sort of deliberately said it to last about the new, the new stadium.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: it's, bloody brilliant (laughs) it's really something special i mean i spoke to you and tom about it on um saturday when i was there and i sort of compared it to the bit where the spaceship lands in independence day or (laughs) where the uh, spaceship comes down in district nine i think the basis is it's like a spaceship
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh that is beautiful
1: yeah it's it, like I say it's just out of this world like you, you look at around the, around the local area, and it still looks like it was i mean I've not been to Tottenham since December 2016. that was the last time I went and we played Burnley at the old y l a and that was the last time I went down before it got knocked down because I never got the chance to go towards the end of the year um and it was like I say everything' is still the same like the the high is still the same, the shops are still there, like the the pubs and that, but then you've got this like new arena. Or like, and it's just like I say, it's so impressive. And even like the little touches, like they've put these use like the the old concrete and the and the rubble and stuff. They put it in the flooring for the new. Oh,
0: nice!
1: Underneath where the where the walkways are, and obviously they've got a plaque there with the old centre circle. From what I lane it's within the south stand. Um, the beer things are quite interesting. The ones that fill from the bottom. Mm-hmm. Well. Don't put your finger through the hole in the bottom because. Otherwise, all the water fall, uh, all the beer falls out, which is a good way to waste a fiver. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I said, I was just just generally impressed with it. I mean, I, I watched the first half of the the Legends game on Saturday and it was really good. It, like, it was a good laugh just to see people playing as well. I've not seen very just like Robbie Keane scored and did his um, traditional celebration, which was quite fun. Um, but then we just spent like the second half just walking around just getting used to the stadium and stuff. And just like I say, little touches, there's like this big wall where they've got a load of different like old like pictures of programs from the years gone by, so like you can just see like how they've evolved and different things like that. And it's yeah, it's just it just feels like White Hart Lane, but just on steroids because it's the same. It feels the same, but it's just massively better. It look, I mean.
0: Yeah, it look from what I saw on on social media, it looks proper nice, and and you just know that Min Son scoring the first goal at the new White Hart Lane is gonna be a, a chase question in like fifteen years time.
1: Yes, yeah, like I say, there, there will always be some, someone that says, oh, well, actually, it was the person that scored in the under-18s game the week before. But, yeah, everyone's sort of accepted now that that's the first, like, official first-team goal. Yeah, but it was it was good to get a win as well, obviously, because there's nothing worse than if we'd have lost or drew last night. But, yeah, I recommend anyone that is just a football fan in general, they need to just go there. Like, even if they're not, their team isn't playing or whatever, or just, just, just go down there, because it's just fantastic, and it's right. well worth the wait.
0: Ryan, are you suggesting that we do a game-time podcast live from the new Spurs stadium? I mean, I wouldn't be against it. <laughs> It'd be really bad to get clean audio, though.
1: That's true, yeah, you just a load of people wandering around the background.
0: <laughs> just like, shut the fuck up, we're trying to record a podcast.
1: Just get battered.
0: <laughs>
1: I it. It, it, is, it is fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it being there home for well whenever the next 115 years or whatever the old white lane was
0: and spurs will be getting proper used to it because you've got what five home games now
1: yeah yeah like i say we've got a few obviously um city next which is going to be interesting see what we got how we go against them um see if we can use it to our advantage and then like i say a lot of what on paper looked like very winnable games got like brighton huddersfield uh, west ham um Everton so yeah it'd be interesting to see like I say how they can just bed in for and then hopefully next year we can we can hit the ground running but yeah very good very overall very impressed
0: and is that how you would rate this podcast
1: um yeah yeah definitely I wouldn't say like architecturally it's not the same uh, <laughs> but yeah it is it is it's very impressive both this and the stadium
0: <laughs> we're the next episode of the Game Time podcast will have a rubble from the previous episode just randomly (laughs) inserted into it.
1: Just for that authenticity.
0: (laughs) Right, let's probably end it on that. I think that's the best way to end it. Um, Remember, if you enjoyed this, like, comment, do whatever you want to on either Anchor, Spotify, or iTunes podcast. And remember, you can catch us GameTime underscore pod on Twitter or GameTimePodcast1 at gmail.com for anything you want to talk about Ryan, thank you very much as always. Cheers, mate. Have a good week. You too, and we'll see you next week, listeners. Will not see you. Hey, hey. Bye.